0: Welcome to episode 146 of the True To You podcast. I'm glad to be here with you today and I have to admit something to you. I am drinking a coffee at three in the afternoon and I never normally drink coffee this late, but I thought, you know what, I'm feeling really good. I'm not ridiculously exhausted, which is a sign to not be drinking coffee because you want to sleep. (laughs) when you eventually go to bed but I thought I'm going to record this intro and enjoy myself a really nice cup of coffee if you have good beans in the house you also need to enjoy those good beans right so yes if you're into your hormone health and you're just generally a health nut you probably won't like me saying that but you know, sometimes we have to do these things. We have to enjoy life. Okay, back to today's episode. This is a good one because Melissa is incredibly generous. I kept asking the questions and she kept delivering the value. So not only do we hear about Melissa's story, where she came from, which it's so interesting, her background where she started in her career and then where she is now running an agency, a digital agency, is pretty cool. She did a complete 180 in her career. So I know that that part of the story will really resonate with you. And like I said, she delivers a lot of value. I wanted to get someone on the podcast that could fill a few gaps, specialty areas and marketing that we don't tend to dive into with our clients so much especially because things like paid advertising is its own thing it's its own part of marketing and it really takes someone that understands the current climate of advertising what your strategy needs to look like what you need to be spending, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And we go into all of those things. It's really simple, really basic for small business owners as well, because I wanted to make sure that you could make a decision around ads without being overwhelmed and thinking, I have no idea where to start. You at least go into the process and maybe hiring someone to help you with your ads with some confidence that you know why you're doing it and you know what the process looks like. So I'm very excited to introduce to you today, Melissa Morlini, she is the founder of Defined Media Co. They have a team oriented approach to marketing, helping startup companies in e-commerce, wellness, sustainability, and tech space, creating tailored campaigns to support their needs. They do digital marketing, so they do content marketing, they do ad strategy, and she's also fractional CMO for some very big personal brands based out of the U.S., I really hope you enjoy this conversation. You get a lot out of it because as I said, Melissa was very generous. So let's dive in. Episode 146 of the True To You podcast. Welcome to the show, Melissa. It's really great to have you today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you have... A very interesting business because for me, this is a whole side of marketing that I haven't yet dived into head first. And so I'm very glad to have Melissa on today because she's going to fill some gaps in terms of advertising and content marketing paid and organic. We'll talk about both. And she does this through her business, Define Media Co. So let's go a little bit back in time and tell me how you came to be a small business owner, how you came to go out on your own and start your agency and what that process has been like for you. Yeah. So in
1: terms of my story, um, I can kind of start like way back when, um, my dad was actually an immigrant and he migrated from Cuba. Um, he was born in Cuba and his family immigrated to Miami, which is where I'm originally from. And my whole family has been very driven and entrepreneurial minded. My grandma started her own business. And my grandpa soon followed her. And then my dad also started his own business as well. Um, They do not come from an education background. My parents did not go to school, but they've kind of paved the way for that sort of mindset for us in terms of entrepreneurship. So we were actually the first generation, me and my sister, to go to university and to graduate. Uh, My background is actually in... um, Pediatrics, so I wanted to go into wow. healthcare, okay. which is so in- it's so yeah. interesting when I tell people, and if other, certain people look at my LinkedIn or my resume, they're like, uh "Healthcare, like that does not, <laughs> that does not match up." But it's a funny story because when I was in college, it's when influencers really started to blow up especially micro influencers in the fashion industry and at the time i was so into fashion um while i was in college i just like really loved fashion and boutiques and things like that so at the time there was this influencer who was offering um, a semester internship and I had nothing, I mean, I had nothing to do outside of going to school. So I thought it would be just something fun to do. So I took on the internship. And what I learned from her, because I was like, how is she doing this for a living? And just trying to like figure that out because she was just going to restaurants, stores, things just like having the best time and doing that for a living. And then <laughs> working, <laughs> working with her, I found that she was um, offering social media management services to local businesses. And I was just like, hmm, that seems like something I could try to do. So after I finished my internship, I went through and pitched myself for really like stupidly low retainers, like $100 a month or $200 a month to run your social media. And that was kind of the start of me building like a little side hustle and becoming a freelancer. So even after I graduated school, I went and worked for a pediatric office and I quit I would say, I think it was like three months after and realized that that was not for me and I wanted to become a social media manager. So then I transitioned into a social media management role um, with an internal marketing team local to me. And that kind of like grew from there. So I was working my full-time job and alongside that, I was still doing a lot of freelance work. And so, I quit my full-time, and then through that, I had like different jobs in the marketing industry and landed into paid advertising, which is now a bigger passion of mine than social media was. So through that, um, about three years ago, big opportunities presented themselves where I was able to leave my full-time secure job and take on freelancing by itself. And then since then it's grown into
0: a full-blown boutique marketing agency. Congratulations. That's one hell of a story. <laughs>
1: I'm Thank you. I know to... it's kind of like transitioned in like yeah. an interesting
0: way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so way back when I started coaching, I was working a lot with women who are making career transitions and we were often looking at their skill sets and how how were they going to transfer their skill set into starting a business or into a completely new direction in their career? What skills did you have or what strengths did you have apart from I think your background and growing up around small business, which I did too. My parents were small business owners and they went to university much later in their 40s and Mm -hmm. and then went into like a corporate career. But I think that that foundation in small business gives you some kind of grit that says, yeah, yeah if I just, you know, pull my sleeves up and work hard, I can learn this and I can do this. So I'm sure there was part of that that played yeah. into your story. But what, what was it that you think in terms of your strengths that you, even though you were studying pediatrics and you're probably actually, you know, going yeah. to do quite well in that career that transferred in Mm -hmm. some way to this new direction? Yeah, I
1: would say the biggest thing for me was feeling really driven and like passionate about what I was doing. And that also like ultimately led me to leaving my full-time job because I found myself having like being more passionate about the work that I was doing on the side a couple of hours a week than the work that I was doing for my nine to five. And so the passion really drove me um, to land the clients that I'm working with now to do the work that I'm doing now. And along with that, like communication. And, um, I always tell people that we work with and that's why we're more of a boutique marketing agency than scaling into this like big conglomerate is because I like to have personal connections with founders, with CEOs and other marketing teams in order to, build up their brand. So I'm still very, I like to be very one-on-one with people. And I don't think that that will ever change really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love it. I love that story. Okay. So I promised Melissa that we'd, we'd get to nerd out on some of her favorite subjects, which paid advertising is one of them. But before we get into that, I wanted to touch on the fact that most people before they're doing paid advertising, they're doing a lot of organic marketing. They, mm-hmm. particularly with the businesses that we work with, of course, some businesses go straight to paid advertising alongside that because that's just the, the financial uh, foundation that they have. But a lot of small businesses don't have the that foundation in order to pump money into ads. So doing a lot of organic content. And right now, I think we've kind of hit this time and especially in social media where we're just faced with constant changes with the algorithm, Mm -hmm. constant platform changes. I wrote down here when I was thinking about what to talk to you about, the fact that video is often preferenced on a lot of platforms now. Now, I know that's not 100% true, but certainly Mm -hmm. reach and things like that. And so, it can be stressful for people to think, how am I going to row my account if I'm constantly having to learn all this stuff about what's going on or, or be be a little reactive because there's a new change and I've got to jump on that new trend. So before we dive into paid advertising, what do you think are some really good things for particularly service businesses to have in place so that they've got a solid foundation? Because if they're not going to be running ads 24-7... Yeah they're gonna rely on that organic content as well. So yeah, you know, what would you say is, is good in terms of having a foundation there?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the foundation is a really good word because I think
1: that is something that you have to have in place. And when I think of a foundation, I think of the classic things like email marketing, a great website, a great brand presence. Like those are the three things that make the, the connection and ultimately will connect back to paid advertising. Oftentimes I say your website, email marketing, and paid advertising all go hand in hand to make the ultimate brand and to have the ultimate, um, growth for your business. So if you have a really great email marketing strategy or funnel in place with a really great lead magnet that will drive people to your website to connect with you, that is going to be huge because I always say this to almost every client and they can all attest to this, yeah. that email marketing is really never going to go away you know, social media is constantly shifting. There's always a new platform. There's always like, it's always tricky, but email marketing usually never is. And so having that foundation and really putting a lot of your efforts into email marketing, because it is organic and it is the easiest way to get in front of people. And you already have that that solid customer data versus on social media, they can Follow, unfollow you, like, unlike your content, and within the click of a button. And sometimes doing that through email marketing is a much lengthier, lazier process. People aren't going to unsubscribe from your content right away, especially if you're giving them information that is completely, is very valuable. Another thing is your website, making sure that your website is on brand, super user friendly. So the people that are visiting your website are not bouncing off they are able to digest exactly what you're selling within the click of a button
0: yeah yeah i i that's music to my ears because that's mm-hmm. exactly what what we preach and teach inside the program the creator club membership it's it's very interesting because i think a few years ago Definitely. There was the there was this period, this golden era with advertising where it was like, I can just have a landing page and an ad and I can pretty much, there was a time where you could pretty much like sell directly off ads. But yeah. I think what you're talking about is the fact that people are a little smarter now. That's not working. And also the advertising costs are much higher. Mm-hmm. So I imagine... Mm-hmm. That's quite expensive to run an ad like that for people, but also just having that foundation in place. We always talk about building Mm -hmm. that trust over time Mm -hmm. that the good clients, especially for service businesses, it's not transactional. They're going to be with you for a long time. Hopefully Mm -hmm. they're going to refer their friends. And so if they have a good experience and you build that trust through all of that other stuff first, they're Mm -hmm. likely to be a better client anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I always say like a good rule of thumb too, is when you're reviewing your um, analytics and your revenue reports, if paid advertising is making up more than 30% of your total revenue, then that's bad because you're relying on a platform to do the work for your business. And so that's not something that you want to do. And I love paid advertising. It's a core service that I offer, but I always make sure that, you know, my clients aren't relying relying 60 to 70% of their revenue to come from paid ads. Because what if Facebook ads went down tomorrow or next month or whenever now most of your business is losing its revenue. So you want that majority of the work or equally to come from um, organic sources.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing you mentioned in that was the lead magnet. Now I know what that is and there's, there's various other, we call them opt-ins, that's another way, yeah. way to talk about it. What is, what is a lead magnet for those that might be going, oh, maybe I've got one of those. Maybe I don't. How, how would mm-hmm. you describe that? Yeah.
1: So a lead magnet is a way to get customers in that is really enhancing to them or interesting to them. So it could be some sort of a freebie. It could be some sort of a guide. It could be a discount, a giveaway. It's anything that's going to draw customers in quickly into your funnel. And so I think every business should have a lead magnet, no matter what you're selling. If you're a service provider or if you're an e-commerce business, no matter what, I think you should have a lead magnet because it attracts people to your email list and you're growing your email list At the same time that you're growing, you know, brand awareness, driving traffic, and then also driving revenue. So having a lead magnet is something that should be evergreen for everyone's business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and there can be a bit of trial and error with those as well, right? Especially service businesses, I find finding the right kind of value that people are actually looking for. And so sometimes it's, you're not going to find the perfect you're not going to be able to create one and it'll just, it will be evergreen because the content Mm -hmm. will, uh, it's not seasonal necessarily, or related to something that's happening right now, but sometimes it can be a bit of trial and error. So not to also give up if your lead magnets aren't hitting Mm -hmm. right away. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And it's a test too. Like I, wouldn't say run the same lead magnet for over a year, you know, often clients, clients will change lead magnets on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis, or they'll have some sort of a different offer. Um, just changing things up a little bit, especially based off of your audience or seasonality or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing I think is kind of interesting too, is that I think a lot of people will not be sure about a lead magnet they'll have a great website, but then they just pop the sign up to my newsletter box on their, in their, sorry, in their website. And I think what a lead magnet does is it just says, hey, I can give you some extra value here. And you were talking about other different ways to to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think unless you're known for, your writing. Some people are known for their writing. So sign up to my newsletter is, is something that people are going to want to do if they just want more of your writing. But if they're looking okay. to also get value from your content and things like that, to really think about the lead magnet, right? Because just mm-hmm. having the blanket sign up for my newsletter is probably not going to.
1: It doesn't really work
0: anymore unless you're, yeah, those don't
1: really work anymore no. unless you're offering some sort of a promo code. It's like no one, No one
0: really wants to receive more emails unless they're valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. Okay. So we've got our foundation in place. If you're doing all of those things that Melissa talked about, and now you want to get into some paid advertising, you're hearing about your other friends in business are doing it. You're listening to podcasts and people are talking about it. There's, there's There's so much conversation out there around all sorts of different types of advertising and and so i would love to get a bit of a read on the market right now in sort of 2023 what you're hearing what you're noticing with your clients through the results that they're getting around paid advertising what we should think about you mentioned not be spending more than 30% of your revenue on paid ads. Yeah. That's also, that's a, that's a huge cost to your business. And then you've got all of your other overheads. So your profit's going to be probably fairly small if you're already spending Mm -hmm. 30%. But yeah, what are we, what are we in for right now in, in this current climate around advertising? Let's talk about costs, expectations, things Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so right now um I mean a couple of years ago people were able to spend only like $500 a month and they were able to have a really great return on ad spend for that. That's not that's just not the case anymore. And the reason being is that um with the iOS updates yeah. there are have been updates to who you can target um because of privacy policies that have been put in place so we can't really target super super detailed niche interests on specifically facebook as much anymore so that made it challenging for advertisers and agencies to really get creative and figure out well now that i can dive into the nitty-gritty of these audience targets then how am i going to figure out who the client is well then that requires a lot more testing which then requires a bigger budget so you know, usually minimum spend nowadays is around two to three thousand dollars a month to um, be able to do all of that testing. So you know, back then you were able to target whoever with whatever, and now you're not able to do that. So having a healthy budget of two to three thousand allows for that testing. And my rule of thumb is usually thirty days testing for at least thirty days. Um, And some clients will have that test budget and some people will not. So it's just a matter of figuring out, like, do I have the money to spend on testing for 30 days? I really try to work with my clients and get them at least a one-to-one return within the first month. So they're at least making that money back, Mm. which happens um, more often than not. Nowadays, I felt like when the iOS update hit, Um, It wasn't happening, but now with, you know, a couple of years in, we've been able to kind of figure out, and, you know, now we work with people in very similar industries, so we know the audiences really well, but I think that really allows for good testing to build several funnels, to test different types of audiences, to test different types of um, advertising assets and graphics and copy, um, and usually 30 days, you're able to kind of figure that out.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then once you've figured that out, you can pick the best performing ad. I'm talking very basics here, but you could pick the best performing ad and then run that ad spend ongoing. Is that typically what would happen next for a client? So I can kind of break break down the campaigns for you to make it a little
1: bit more digestible. So usually just to make things really simple, I know agencies do things differently and they have several campaigns, several audiences yeah. running. I like to make it really yeah. simple for myself and for the client when I'm doing reporting. So I usually like to only have three to four campaigns running always. And so that's, you know, your lead magnet, then your top of funnel cold audience. So those are people that have never come across your brand before you are targeting to them completely new, and then your middle of funnel audience. So they've come across your brand in some sort of way through like website visits, social media engagement, things like that. And then potentially a bottom of funnel, more like a loyalty customer audience that might be a past purchaser of some sort. And so those are usually the campaigns I like to run. And so within that when i'm starting to narrow down i always like to narrow down at the ad set or at the ad level so starting with creative because you know the audience may be maybe good but the creative we're still trying to figure that out um so we'll test like several different types of creative and like within 14 days we can usually identify what's working what's not working and then within 30 days then that's when we start to narrow down our audience targeting so then we're able to really figure out like, okay, you know, and we set goals and and metrics to figure out like what's working and what's not working. So if audiences and, and ads have not met our goal metrics and that's when we start to narrow things down.
0: Yeah. Okay. Hopefully people aren't getting too overwhelmed, but their minds aren't (laughs) exploding. I picture that little exploding head emoji (laughs) because I guess this is where you want to start to think about also bringing in an expert, because as you can hear, Mm -hmm. someone like Melissa can save you a lot of time because Mm
1: -hmm.
0: she knows the strategies that are working right now. She knows how to at least get that initial strategy in place that a lot Mm -hmm. of people I think when they experiment with ads, it is literally experimenting. It's going, yeah. well, I've heard to do this type of ad and I think this is my audience. And, you know, you're kind of just full firing bullets around and you'll probably get, you know, a few of our clients, they do get email signups and they get some results. But I think to be able to sustain that ongoing, would you say that mm-hmm. it having that that period to really be able to find out what works is really important.
1: It's, I think it's super important. Like uh, I feel like a lead magnet, you don't really need to do a lot of testing with. I feel like those generally like tend to work right off the bat. So that's something, again, why I say that's something that you could run evergreen. That's something easy for a business owner to go ahead and set up. But then the testing can be tedious. And I've been told that many times, like this is a whole other job by like people that try to do it themselves. And it really is because it requires a lot of work, a lot of analysis, um, really data analysis. And if that's not something that you're into, then outsourcing is usually the best. Um, but I find simplifying with four core campaigns to be easier for business owners to handle and digest versus a lot of bigger agencies. You know, it's even for me, like when I'm taking over from another agency's work, I'm like, this is so much. Why are we making this so difficult? Um, and oftentimes I think they do that to make it difficult for like owners to, to digest, like what just happened to my ad
0: account. Yeah. It could be a little bit of yeah, <laughs> a, a subtle reason to keep the agency on that we've made this. Well, look, I don't want to assume anything, but <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, a, a good, I, I imagine a good ad manager, a good agency is really trying to nail down to like the thing that works for a period of time rather than going mm-hmm. like, let's mm-hmm. try everything. And, then, <laughs> right. you know, and it's really know- yeah. knowing
1: your od- knowing your audience is probably the biggest thing and the biggest help when creating this content, because if you don't know your audience, then that is a whole other test. Like if you're a brand new company and you have an idea of who your audience is, but you're not hundred percent sure, that's going to require a lot more testing. But if you really know, like if you're a coffee shop and, you know, avid coffee shop lovers live in Colorado or wherever (laughs) in the mountains and they drink a lot of coffee, there's, they're a business owner or entrepreneur, like they're going to be a great demographic for you or great audience for you, just like as an example. But if you're not sure it is going to require a lot more
0: testing. Yeah, yeah. Most of the businesses we work with do know their audience pretty well, and some of them are location based businesses. They're brick and mortar businesses. So they are defined in some ways, their audience, by that location. But then mm-hmm. I guess they also might start to think about ads in terms of things that aren't location dependent. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of service businesses that have online services, they might run retreats, they might do things that mean that people could come from anywhere or just simply be online in order Mm -hmm. to access their service. So I imagine that's also where uh, ads can get quite interesting because then you're looking at a broader audience versus just the people in your local area. Mm -hmm. And then that too can be like when the creative comes in, like what is going to captivate my audience?
1: Let's analyze competitor content, see what they're pushing out there. What can we do that's going to move the needle a little little bit more? And that's when really the creative is going to be very important. And that's when that type of testing comes in. Like what is going to stand out to my audience that is different from my competitors? Like if something is made local locally sourced or whatever versus you know and your competitors this huge brand things aren't necessarily locally sourced that local that just word locally sourced is going to stand out to your customer so what are the thing key things that are going to stand out to your audience against your the bigger brand competitors
0: yeah okay cool I love it all right so Say we're thinking about paid ads. You went a little bit into the breakdown of how, how they work. If, it, if if the business is marketing a lot on one platform, say, for example, I know that most of our business owners that we work with, and so I'm speaking for the business owners we work with, and probably the business owners in the true to audience, they spend a lot of time on Instagram. They might be a little bit on LinkedIn maybe on mm-hmm. Facebook, but I know that Instagram is where they spend a lot of time. Sometimes TikTok as well. Is it better to run ads on a platform that you're, or if you're going to start out with them on a platform that you're already producing content on and spending a lot of time on anyway, is there any connection between that? Or does that, is that kind of irrelevant to the ad strategy? Um, I feel like that is kind of, it's, It's kind of irrelevant. It also depends on
1: like what the industry is. So oftentimes I always have clients run ads on uh, Facebook and also on Google at the same time. If they're new to advertising, those are usually the two that I like to start with. And sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. You think Facebook's gonna work for you, but really Google is working better for you. So those are the two that I usually like to start with. Now, depending on the brand, in the industry, certain platforms might work better for them. So if they're like, oh, Instagram is the best, but we're also using TikTok. Um, and I see just by industry research, um, that you know, TikTok is a great place for a supplement company to advertise, then that is what I'm going to recommend to the client. And then same thing for LinkedIn. Oftentimes you can tell by the industry. So if they're like a service provider, um, like uh, an SEO agency or something like that, they're going to want to market to people on Google and LinkedIn because that is where their core audience is going to be.
0: Yeah, I wonder then if that strategy working for ads also tells you about something about where your organic content should be. <laughs> As if if you're yes. hanging out a lot on one platform, but it's not actually where your people are, should you be thinking about creating? 100% for where they are? A hundred percent. And that has happened
1: a lot where clients think like, okay, I need to advertise on Instagram because that's what people are doing. They're advertising on Instagram, they're seeing results, but it's just like, but your audience isn't really on Instagram. So why would you advertise on that platform?
0: Yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway I'm getting so far is that Coming back to your audience and knowing them really well inside and out is what's going to help drive a stronger ad strategy because you're going to know what they want to see visually, Mm -hmm. what they want to hear in terms of the copy, uh, what offers might work for them, but also then thinking too as part of your strategy is not being closed-minded to advertising on the platforms that you might not spend a lot of time on personally, but maybe you haven't thought of that because yeah, you aren't hanging out on TikTok, but your your clients are on there at nine o'clock at night scrolling. So that's probably where you should be. So I think with advertising, yeah, it seems, I mean, as we just said as well, with all of your content, it should be thinking about your audience first and foremost. And this has really got me thinking as well too, because I think We often, as business owners who are trying to be marketers, we think a lot through our own mindset or our own um, biases, if you will. And so then we just do what we think will work based on what we like. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And sometimes you have to make connections with other people, even if you're not hiring someone else to do the work for you, having someone else's point of view on how things might work best for you could be really helpful too. Uh, Because like you said, business owners are trying to sometimes just follow the trend, what they see they think is going to work and it may not. And so I think having some sort of a mentor or another company or business owner that you can talk to, or someone who is in the industry that could even give you a free conversation to talk about what they think is going to work for you might be really helpful and really out of the box than what you might be thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. One thing when I was thinking about this interview and getting an expert on around ads is the fact that, Instagram or Facebook entices us with that little boost post. <laughs> <laughs> um so they're basically just you know enticing us to spend money when it may not be a strategic way to spend money. For anyone that has in the back of their mind, oh, I might just boost this post. It's done really well. It's it's <laughs> what would you say about the whole boost boosting posts versus Can it work, number one, and or ultimately do you always say if you're thinking about putting any money into advertising to just start from scratch, like let's get a a clean strategy in place? I would say that there is
1: always, no matter what, if you're boosting or not, there always needs to be a strategy behind why you're advertising. Um, I find that boosting never works for driving revenue or driving purchasers. Or driving traffic to the website. The only time I've seen it somewhat work is to get follower growth yeah. and like likes on, on the post. But what is that really doing for you? Like, is it really gonna drive that revenue for you? Is it gonna really drive that sale for you or that purchase or whatever? Um, whatever, you know, whatever your call to action is, is it gonna drive that for you? And oftentimes it doesn't because you're just boosting and the, the targeting is so broad. You can't really niche down. You can't adjust. You can't make any, once you boost the post, you're boosting it as is. So you can't make mm-hmm. adjustments to the creative. You can't make adjustments to the coffee. There's really, and like you said, it is kind of like a play that, you know, the platform's trying to do to get you to spend money really easily. And it's just, and oftentimes it does become more expensive because the cost, For per follower, cost per click, whatever it is that your objective is, is going to be more costly on boosting because you're boosting to that broad audience.
0: Yeah. So interesting. Yes. And I think it can feel good, right? To get a few more followers, to get a few more likes on a post. But really, what I'm hearing is that advertising is a strategic move. It's not just Mm -hmm. a let's play around, but you, If you're putting money into it, into any sort of marketing, you want to see some sort of return on the other side. And yeah, at a very minimum, it might be email signups or something like that, that at least you know, once they're in your ecosystem, they can then continue to receive information from you. They've decided that they want it versus you just showing it to them. Right. And if you have, if you have money to spend by all means,
1: yes, (laughs) but I don't think that a lot of people do, and they're just trying to find a way to get people to follow them, drive traffic, and people just don't know. And it is very convincing when, you know, this platform is telling you to boost, 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 and you think that you're going to get results from it. And oftentimes you don't. So I, I would say at the end of the day, I don't really recommend it.
0: Okay, here's here's an interesting question before we go into the into the last question that I have. This this is probably a bit of uh, I imagine your personal opinion as much as it is strategic, but there's always been this conversation around, you know, we just talked about boosting a post in order to grow your following. That that's often an outcome of of doing that or getting more likes. Having a big following or having a big follower count versus having, like, there's kind of two scenarios that are playing out in my mind. You can grow your following, and obviously, the more followers, then you have more people to convert, right? They've got to be quality followers. But then the other side of that could be spending less time on just trying to get followers and maybe putting money into ads. And have not worrying so much about a big follower count, but being more strategic that way. Would you always go one? Yeah, would you go one way or the other? Um, I would
1: say I I never recommend,
0: you know, boosting for
1: follower growth because it's just I just don't recommend it. You want your audience to like, know, and trust you. So you want to have valuable followers more than you want to have more followers. And so it's really interesting because you see influencers, they get a lot from having more followers because of, you know, brands, they see their follower count, they get bigger sponsors. So it works for them in that sort of way. But for companies, I don't see it working very well at all because they just want that valuable customer. I think if your Instagram account, for example, was very on brand, people came to your account and they saw exactly what they needed to see. And every piece of content you have on there is able to sell itself. Then that's valuable. But I think paid advertising tends to be more valuable. Either way, you're you can drive back to your social media account through your Facebook ad because it's connected in -hmm. some sort of way. So you want to make sure that whatever you're advertising um, mimics whatever you have on your organic social media. So you're not advertising one thing, then they go to your account. And they're like, what is this? This doesn't match up with what I'm seeing at all. But to answer your question more clearly, I wouldn't say that I find any value from advertising to get more followers unless it's really for an influencer of some sort which is very rare.
0: Yeah, and if a brand if a if a business has a smaller following but wants to put money into ads versus trying to just grow the following like organically mm-hmm. and like really like hack the algorithm and do all of these different things to try and boost a following, would you always say mm-hmm. that it's more strategic to do targeted ads if you have the budget, because yeah, you're going to get to the right people quicker. Yeah, it's <laughs> trying have-, have that massive following.
1: This doesn't happen really often, but if you have the budget, then maybe. but oftentimes I like to reserve that budget for some other type of campaign and not really for follower growth. Mm-hmm. I don't see very like anymore that an audience finds a ton of value from seeing a business having over 10,000, 100,000 followers mm. as long as they have a good product. I see it more on the personal brand side yeah. where people are looking to influencers and they're like, "Oh, that influencer has 100,000 followers. That means they're legit." Um, so I see it more on the personal side than on the brand side. So I feel like companies shouldn't worry that much anymore about their follower count and they should worry more about the content, that, that they're, the value that they're providing with their product, with their content, with the service that they're
0: providing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's great. That's really good. And no, I know no that a, a few listeners are probably going to have a sigh of relief and um, not put so much pressure on themselves or worry too much about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the final thing I wanted to talk about, because we started by... Talking about the current climate and that foundation that you need to have in place before thinking about advertising. And one thing that I absolutely love that you brought up was the fact that email is not going anywhere. You also, I know you've also mentioned that that another strategy is to get phone numbers. So in lieu of email, you could be texting people. That's mm-hmm. that's not something that I think a lot of our business owners commonly do. They'd probably more go for an email list building Mm -hmm. strategy. If your goal is to build an email list, you talked about sending them to a lead magnet or an opt-in. Yeah. What's the most, I mean, that sounds very simple, but I also know that some people have found that it can be quite expensive still to get uh, and that might be the type of ad that they're running. So what would mm-hmm. be some things to think about when it comes to, because it sounds very simple, the way you've put it, it's very simple. You just create a lead mm-hmm. magnet and send an ad to yeah. it. But what would be some things to think about with those ads? Do we do video? Yeah. Do we do just a static image copy? You know, all of that. So the best way to really analyze like your lead magnet
1: and it could it can be expensive and it can't be it really just depends upon your conversion rate and how you convert an email. So that's again, why emails work hand in hand with advertising. So if your conversion rate is low on email, that means your emails aren't good. So that's something that you also need to evaluate. So, you know, if your cost per lead is $5, but then your, your conversion rate is like 30%, then that feels like it's, it could be worth it to pay $5 for a lead. And so that's why you kind of things have to work hand in hand. So you can have a really good lead magnet, but you can have really terrible emails. So you have to make sure that you're also (laughs) analyzing that as well, which kind of goes back to the whole strategy of, Okay, some people, some brands will build a specific funnel for their lead magnet on Facebook. And so, just really analyzing like, what is your conversion rate on SMS if you're collecting phone numbers from people? What
0: is your conversion rate on
1: email? And that will really tell you how much should I be spending per lead via advertising.
0: Yeah, okay. And one thing you tapped into there is conversion on once they're actually on the email list. Sometimes that's a little bit with, Uh, with service businesses that can be a little bit tricky to determine Mm -hmm. because some people might read an email but then go to the website and then book in through the website so it's not as easy sometimes to know where they've come from Mm -hmm. but what I would also say when something that comes to mind is if you're sending them to an email list would you say now that look this is pretty loaded question because I teach marketing to business owners but You know, be emailing them regularly. Don't just send them the lead magnet and then not be following up with either some kind of sequence or regular emails. Make sure your emails are good, like you said. You know, be Mm -hmm. providing more value so they feel like they're they're getting more, you know, more insights or more entertainment from you. It doesn't necessarily have to be more tips and things like that. But yeah, once they're actually inside the email list this might not be something that you go into too much, but would you say that that making sure that if you're setting up the ad that you've got the other side yes. also running well a hundred, too? A hundred percent. I mean, if you're driving people to nothing
1: or one email, that's not going to drive a lot of value for you and your business. So you're definitely going to want to set up a four-part email series at the minimum and then drive people into like a regular newsletter or whatever promotional you have going on. I would say, I I always say this, don't be over promotional when you're sending out your emails because sometimes it can lead to a really high unsubscribe rate, but make sure that with every email that goes out, there's a reason why people downloaded your lead magnet or whatever. So continue to provide that value that they were seeking within your emails.
0: Yeah. Cool. 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 I love that. Most of the way we teach advertising, uh, the way we teach marketing, sorry, is around this long-term relationship building, Mm -hmm. leading to better clients. So I, I love that you've said that. Okay. I just wanted to finish up. If anyone is looking to hire an agency or a boutique agency, you know, some not probably our service businesses aren't going for big big ad agencies but someone like yourself, what would you say are things to think about look for in the person they're going to hire because there's a lot of options now, people, mm-hmm. a lot of ad experts which is cool, but yeah, mm-hmm. what would you say is a good thing to to just think about before you take that step?
1: The biggest thing is case studies. And that is something that I've really implemented. And that's really something that has helped me grow my business is transparently providing case studies for potential clients. And and I feel like that's the only thing that people ask for. And um, a lot of people that I work with are like always surprised when I share case studies, obviously approved by clients, but Uh, they want to see, everyone wants to see results. They're not going to hire you without results. And so sharing, you know, making sure that whatever agency you're hiring has those results to share is going to move the needle for you and making sure that they're competent. They answer all of your questions. They're very communicative with you. Oftentimes I find clients that I work with now, they had agencies that kind of were communicating with them at first, stopped Mm. after a while, not fully transparent, making sure that you have constant communication with whoever you're hiring is going to be super important too. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I had one experience with a previous business I worked for and we're running quite a, a complex ad strategy, like you were saying, through an agency and the agency we basically had to redo all the copy because they weren't competent with copy too, oh,
1: and we had wow. to re,
0: we had to pick the the um, creative as well. So this in this case it was photographs, so uh, you know static images. There wasn't any mm-hmm. kind of text or anything like that on the image, but yeah, that was kind of interesting to to see the expectation of how much we needed to outlay yeah. the advertising and that they were a professional service with a, a big team and then how much they weren't also understanding the business as well so I think through that experience you want someone that either, I would say knows your type of business as well like you totally. have specific types of businesses you work with For sure. Yeah, you want someone that also
1: works in your industry. And so that's something I've also learned over time, because I've niched down to certain industries that I like to work with now, because I feel like I'm an expert in working with those industries. And you, and this is why it's so hard to like when brands hire like big agencies, like you're being passed on to like an account manager that may like, you're just another number for them. And you may not, they may not be passionate about like your everyday. And so that's why it's also hard to like work with bigger companies like that because you're, they have thousands of clients probably. And so that's something to really look into too. You want to make sure that you have that like personal connection with who you're hiring to work for your business. Like your business is your baby. So you want to make sure is taking care of it for you, like is also passionate about it and will do whatever they can to make things work for you.
0: Yeah. And has the skills. <laughs> that
1: was the, right. and, that and was
0: the learning from that experience. Yeah,
1: ex- exactly. And have the skills to back up, you know, what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for nerding out with me on ads because I feel like I've gotten a great crash course and especially in the advertising. But also I think all of those little things you said around your marketing strategy as a whole, we can't forget that this is one part of of a marketing strategy. And so we also need to have all of those other things in place. So I, I really appreciate that you you shared that too, to set up whoever's listening and wants to start get started with ads that they're going to be in, in the right place and they're going to be really ready for it and happy to, to invest the money. So thank you so much, Melissa. Is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with? I guess if people think, oh, this girl's really onto it and <laughs> I would love to... You know, th- have a conversation with you or learn more about how your your agency works. How can they get in touch?
1: Yeah, so we provide a lot of information on our Instagram account. So it's Define Media Co. But I also have um, a Facebook Ads guide, and I created this specifically for business owners that want to try to do advertising for themselves and want to learn the basics. So that is on my website, DefineMediaCo.com. Backslash Facebook ads guide. And so that will be a really good, helpful start for people that are trying to do it themselves. But I also offer a free 30 minute call for anyone that's interested and wants to learn more about advertising or other marketing services.
0: Yes, yes. And for our listeners that are based in the East Coast of Australia or or in a different (laughs) time zone like Australia and New Zealand, you do work with some people. I do. Here, don't I, you? So, Oh, I do. I love working with people
1: all over and work with people in Australia and I'll be visiting Australia soon. Hopefully. Yes, so,
0: yes. 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 Thank you, Melissa. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much.